Hello, welcome to Helen Talks Who. I'm Helen. Today, let's talk about the impossible planet in the Satan pit. Um, really enjoyed this one. I know we've had a couple of episodes that I wasn't uh, wasn't quite so keen on, but um, this one, yeah. Although it's not one that I've, uh, it's not a story that I've watched tons of times. It's um, it's a really good one. What I'm gonna mainly focus on is. Um, the fact that this is a base under siege story, and I'm going to talk about some of the elements of it that occurred to me from, from sort of that perspective. Um, cause a base under siege story, it's a classic, um, classic trope in Doctor Who of having, you know, a place that's somewhat remote usually, or if it's not in a remote place, it's cut out from cut off from the uh, outside world in another way um you tend to have you know a cast of a few people that normally man the base some of whom will die um some of whom will survive to the end of the episode um you have a threat coming from outside the base you normally have it having infiltrated the base in some way all of those elements are present here um, and it starts off with, I think, one of the best openings I've seen for setting, uh, for, for setting a story. Within the first couple of minutes, you have Doctor and Rose stepping out of the TARDIS, nice bit of, a nice bit of banter, um, reminding us why we like watching them travelling together. Um, you set the scene <clears throat> that they're in a deep space exploration base. Um, you have a, the start of the core mystery with that writing that doesn't translate <clears throat> and an alien an alien threat being being the ood all within two minutes um so yeah it just gets straight off with the core of what this story is it it it's going to be about um so the first element that's always in a base under siege story is um, the idea that, well, in a Doctor Who one particularly, um, you have the Doctor and his companions, you know, obviously they don't belong in the base. So um, there's always the question on, are they going to be, you know, accepted? Are they going to be treated with suspicion? Um, and it's interesting in this story because they are very quickly accepted by the uh, by the people on the sanctuary base, um, like really quickly. There's, I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm just thinking. I I is anyone even that suspicious of them? I think they're all just like, how are there people out there? But I have a few. Um, so I have a few kind of theories on why they're quite so quickly accepted the first one is the general weirdness of their situation the fact that they are in a place where literally no one else can get to like there's probably a certain element of well we we can't control it and you know we're already orbiting around a black hole like this might as well happen kind of thing there might be an element of that um the crew also have clearly more knowledge than the Doctor and Rose and therefore, like, 
it's sort of the power imbalance. The um contrast I'm thinking of is uh is midnight in in series four where the doctor's being a bit of a know it all and actually everyone finds that you know um a bit intimidating. Whereas here it it it's the other way round. Um, like Ida's the way she says that you're not joking. You really don't know. Um, it it put the Doctor and Rose on the back foot, which probably makes the crew feel a bit more secure of like, okay, they're not, they're not here for nefarious purposes. Um, the other nice thing is that the Doctor in this episode, he's very, um, I was going to say enthusiastic, but he's not like overly enthusiastic. He's just very much here to learn and here and interested in what they're doing. Um, and the kind of person that's on a space exploration mi- mission, particularly the kind of person that comes specifically to a planet orbiting around a black hole, like they're probably, there's, there's probably a fair overlap with the Venn diagram of people who are very willing to talk about you know their project that they're passionate about to someone who wants to to listen to them um which again just you know makes the doctor and rose a bit more easily acceptable um there's probably also a little bit the thing of like what are they going to do chuck them out the airlock they can't send them home they can't you know they can't actually do anything about the about the doctor and rose being there um I the other thing I wonder is that they do sort of have this pre-existing scapegoat in the form of Toby because it's sort of implied that he doesn't fit in with the rest of the crew um even even you know before being possessed by the devil um and again that probably helps to um to 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 have the doctor and Rose be kind of quickly accepted um obviously that's all in story explanation the outside of the story explanation for it is that it makes for a better story the next element of a base under siege story to talk about is there's always a reason that the doctor and the companion can't walk away um and i think it's done really well here by literally taking the tardis away and having them not able to escape um, and there's some based under siege stories where it just separates the TARDIS from them and, you know, the um, the plan is that, okay, we need to get to the TARDIS and that will drive a lot of the story. Or it's this idea of, um, uh, it's not quite the same, but like with um, Voyage of the Damned, I know it's not exactly a base under siege, but there's a lot of parallels between base under siege and disaster movie. But in that one, like the um, the TARDIS zooms down to earth, so there's a sense of, well, we will be able to go back to the TARDIS. Um, we just can't do it until the main until we've escaped the the wreckage of 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 the ship. Um, but here it goes one step forward and goes no we've chucked the TARDIS to the centre of a planet that is um orbiting a black hole that has one route in and one route out you're not gonna get it back obviously as the audience we know that the Doctor will somehow get the TARDIS back but the thing that makes it really good is that obviously the Doctor and Rose don't need 
don't know that. So they are properly confronting in this episode what it means that A, they can't escape the base under siege and B, they're not going to be able to leave at the end even if, you know, yeah, even once the danger starts and and, and they're they're focused on saving stuff, they're having to confront the fact that they're not going to be able to walk away from this adventure and go on to the next one. Um, And, I mean, the conversations with the Doctor and Rose talking about settling down, it's one of of the highlights of this episode. Um, It's really important because we're now, what, two-thirds of the way through the series and... I I feel like every other episode there's been um there's been something I've talked about where it's been like yeah this is emphasizing the, how how important Rose and the doctor are to each other and it's sort of continuing that um and it and it's funny to think about the the doctor having having to get a house and a job and and and, and a mortgage and and stuff it is it is you know, it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, but yeah, because, I mean, normally, in a in a standard base under siege story, the losing the TARDIS bit tends to be just a com- convenient kind of thing of, oh, look at that, you can't save everyone super easily, you can't use the TARDIS to, to, to solve the story. Um, but the fact that the Doctor and Rose are like, oh, we can't fly away at the end. It it makes that thread more than more more than it is usually in 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 this kind of story. Um, so I really like that. Um, and it then continued in part two of the story, because um when they lose contact with the Doctor and Ida, and they're like, right, we need to abandon the base. We need to leave the Doctor and Ida behind, like, in episode one, Rose didn't mind the idea of being stranded in the far future with the Doctor, like, obviously, you know, she would have, she would have eventually had to deal with the fact that she wasn't going to see her mum again, she, and being out of time, and sort of culture clash of living in the far future, but, but she didn't mind the idea. She was like, you know what, I can work with that. Fair enough. I knew it was a risk. But the idea of being there alone, the idea of being in a completely unfamiliar place without the Doctor, that gets her. Um, and that's why she resists so much the idea of abandoning the base. So this is a two-parter episode. Um, and... Again, I want to talk about the cliffhanger because this cliffhanger is really great. Um, it ramps up the stakes with there being the risk of falling into the black hole and it reveals the true enemy of, okay, there's something that's possibly the devil buried buried below us. This is not just, you know, a stray psychic field making the ood act a little bit weird this is not a standard alien threat so really um yeah it's something it it's something where the cliffhanger can't be resolved in the first five minutes of part two um although i think you 
still do get a bit of feud standing around menacingly as well. Um, but yeah. What this does mean, of course, though, is it means that episode one was purely for scene setting. Um, episode one was, it had hints of, like, this mystery going through, but it was purely setting the scene of, right, these are the characters that are going to be in trouble. And, um, this is how the Doctor and Rose are sort of fitting into this. And, yes, there's a hint of mystery. Um, because the main plot stuff is in episode two. But, it it works like you don't if you you know pause for a week after watching episode one as we all did in 2006 um if if you get to that stage you don't feel like you've you know spent 45 minutes watching nothing um it it and it's because you've got the strong characters both of the um of the crew of the base yes they're all you know sketches of characters they're all there's probably a list of tropes that I could tick off if I if I wanted to um the reluctant captain um the plucky young girl in Scooty who died the you know slightly awkward nerdy guy like there's a bunch of bunch of tropes but it just works really well um and also in episode one, we have that losing the TARDIS element that affects the characters that we already care about. Um, so, yeah, I think this other two-parter works um, works well. Um, I'm not sure how it would have worked if it had only been one episode. Um, you'd probably have had to have lo- lost an element of it, so maybe you wouldn't have had the maybe you wouldn't have been able to dwell quite so much on the TARDIS is lost, what did that mean? Maybe you'd have had to crack straight on to um, to, to what's next. Um, yeah, having it in two parts does... I, I, I like episodes with a bit of breathing room, and I think having a two-parter for an episode like this does allow that. Um, so next... Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is um, so in episode two we have the kind of the main base under siege part, the part that seems you know most like a typical base under siege story where um, Rose and the remaining crew have to um, escape the Ood, they need to get somewhere to knock out the Ood, and then they need to decide what they need to do next, which ends up being fleeing the base. So it's um, and yeah, you have the ventilation shafts you have um the crew working together and the the thing i really enjoyed about this part is um the dynamic between the crew feels really natural particularly with how rose slots in um i'd 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 forgotten that she actually really demonstrates how great a leader she is um in this episode i that scene where um, the captain's in the main control room, the rest, her and the rest of the crew are, are, are near the Ood, um, and she's like, right, what have we got, what do we need to do, like, keeping them all on task, to you, to you, the teachery phrase, um, but, like, corralling them to actually work together and keep going, and, 
and and yeah being a leader um really nice having her in that role um because that's normally the role that the doctor takes um which is fitting because while she's doing that the doctor gets to talk to the main villain which is i suppose another thing that he normally gets to do but really like he we just get to dig into like the doctor's sort of motivations and psyche a bit um so we have this really nice role reversal with the doctor and rose um which makes a change um and yeah you've got some other classic base under siege things but I don't know if they I probably should have researched exactly what the normal tropes are for a base under siege because like so the captain overseeing things in the control room I feel like it's quite common to have someone you know doing a kind of overview and sort of um you know doing the technical stuff from a distance um but it makes it really interesting because we've had this whole thread of him being a reluctant captain um and he's sort of like well I want to be there and be hands-on but he's actually you know most useful in the in the control room if he hadn't have been there they wouldn't have been able to get through the ventilation shaft um and you have the classic base under siege death of someone being too slow to get through to get through a door um again this is an absolutely great scene um jefferson even though you've only known him an episode it it yeah it just i just really like this episode um yeah i just really like this episode um yeah, it's getting, so it's getting, it's, I'm getting a bit, um, just listing off certain tropes and stuff. So I'm going to move on to talk about the, um, the devil elements of it. Because this is the bit that, well, like I said, ups the stakes of this episode and makes it more than just a standard base under siege one. Um, one side note that I, um, that I want to mention that doesn't, entirely fit into um fit into anything else i want to talk about underrated moment from episode one is rose getting a weird scary phone call and then just chucking her phone across the room like super relatable um yeah <laughs> great little underrated moment that um but yeah the devil element are mainly there to have the higher stakes for the main survival storyline because it's not just the crew escaping from the base. It's it's okay. There is a risk that actually they're going to take this evil being back to civilization. Um, and the other reason for it is it yeah just t- teaching us a little bit more about why the doctor travels and why he keeps going um yeah a bunch of great lines that I've written down but I don't think I want to like fully dig into um this is also something I find interesting this is a story with the devil as a villain but it doesn't play with temptation which is nice and it doesn't 
it doesn't have that thing of the crew turning against each other. We still get to see the best of humanity, um, which I don't know feels refreshing for a um, for a story with the devil being being a villain. Um, that's most of what I wanted to talk about. Um, this is this is another coincidence story. Um, like I said last episode, we seem to be getting a lot of those, so I'm not going to dwell on it. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening. I have an email address for this podcast. If anyone has any commentary, um, wants to share their thoughts, I'd love to hear from you. The email address is helentalkswho at gmail.com. Next time, I will be watching Love and Monsters. Love that episode. Dead excited to talk about it. But yeah.